Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. I want to end our series, uh, and we've been in a series called Tis My Season. Somebody say, Tis My Season. And we've been talking about uh, Mary and God coming and announcing Jesus and essentially saying, Mary, you know, we really focused in on those words that Mary, you are, you have found favor with God. Amen. And it's important for us as believers to recognize that those same words that Gabriel rang out to Mary ring out to us every day of our life. You found favor with God. You're not just some person, you know, out in some world. You found favor with God. Amen? And uh, so it's important for us to recognize that. Uh, y'all pause for one second. Can you call my brother and mom? They keep calling me over and over and I don't know what that is. <clears throat> um, just a little concern. Um, what was I saying? Oh, you found favor. Amen? And just like he said to Mary, you found favor in the sight of God. And then all these miraculous things happen in her, in her life. And she literally mothers the Savior of the world. And so the, the premise of the season, I mean, of the series is to remind you that in the sight of God, you are favored. And that God wants to use your life to impact the world around you. Amen? And so I hope that you will hear that. Today, I want to focus in on another person in the story that was very intriguing to me. And it's, it's very interesting. When I was reading through it, I backed up a few scriptures, and I got to reading. And this, this really caught me. And Logan said something in his message that kind of made me go, I need to go read that. And so go back and listen to Logan's message, and you might f- pick up what I picked up. Anyways, we're gonna leave, we got a little bit of reading to do, so get ready, okay? Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. 20 verses. Get ready. Get ready. <laughs> it's a lot of reading. I'm going to read as fast as I can. <laughs> Y'all ever seen the video on YouTube yet, the, uh, the, the, the fastest reader in the world video? And he like, no, it's funny. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, Luke 1, 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias um, of the division of Abijah. His, fa- his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They, listen to us now. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in the years. I love how the Bible describes older people, well advanced in the years. <laughs> Y'all, we need to pick that one up, amen? How old are you? I'm not, I'm not old. I'm well advanced. Come on, 
<laughs> so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the uh, temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Hold on. Your prayer is heard. Don't be afraid. You pray for this. God heard what you asked for. Do not be afraid for your prayers heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, this angel is talking about John. Come on, somebody say John. And Zechariah said to the angel, listen, listen, after all of that, your prayers heard, you're going to have a baby, he going to be Pretty much Black Panther, okay? I'm, just, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. He's going to be John. He's going to be a man. At, he's he's going he's to do some great things. This is what the angel says, right? Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Hold on. He described himself as an old man and described his wife as well advanced in years. First of all, he's smart. <laughs> Come on. She might be nearby. He's like, hey. But isn't it interesting that his view of himself is not well advanced? It's old. I want you to chew on that for a moment. My wife is uh, well advanced in her years. An angel said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Lord and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Wow. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered in the Lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he had beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service was completed, he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. She hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's interesting to me because I've read the account of the Christmas story and Jesus' birth many, many, many times. I'm pretty sure we've all heard it. We've been to church. For, if you've been around church every Christmas, most of the time, you know, we're talking about the Advent, we're preaching all of this stuff. There is interesting to me because I've always heard about Luke chapter 1 and, and reading up to verse 25, I mean like 26 or whatever, right? It's when usually when we dive into it, we dive into Mary's story. And when we connect Mary with uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, most of the time it's when John is leaping in the womb because they have met each other and they've come around each other. But as I was really studying this thing and really kind of unpacking this, I wanted to recognize something, two things. One, the story of Jesus' birth and the account of his birth is highly, highly important for the believer. Are you hearing me? It's highly important. It is highly verifiable. It is one of the most prestigious accounts for all of us. All right? And you got to unpack it through various lenses, and a lot of people have. There is the lens of the Savior. There's the lens of understanding this Christ that has come to extend to us grace and mercy. Right? It's this, this lens that Jesus has now come as the substitute. Come on. The substitution, come on. Like, so when you look back at Abraham when he's taking Isaac up the mountain, and, and, and listen now, this is the picture of what happens with Jesus, right? Abraham is taking Isaac up the mountain. He's about to do, you know, kill his boy and plunge the knife in his chest, and, and, and God stops and says, no, 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 stop. Stop what you're doing. And he provides a ram and a bush. This is a foreshadowing of the substitutionary uh, atonement that Christ brings when he comes into the world. Amen? All these covenants that had existed over time. All these covenants. There's the covenants, the, the uh, Abraham covenant, the Moses covenant. There's a lot of covenants. Come on, somebody. And all these covenants, uh, most of them, oh, well, uh, actually only three of them had components of salvation. Three of them. The covenant with Abraham had a, had a component of salvation, right? Gonna bring Messiah. David. They had a, com a component of salvation. And the new covenant. Only three. The other ones, they were all part of the law. They, we couldn't keep them, right? They didn't end with salvation. They ended with condemnation. Hello. Hello. So you got all this time, and you got all these things, and, we, and we, we're going through all this stuff. And, and listen, so, so multiple years I've heard the story and the account of Jesus. But here's what I want you to understand. The, the story and the account of John's birth is almost as equally important as Jesus. 
Oh, okay, now y'all don't want to hear me, all right? All right, so, so you have to understand the way the people knew the word of God around here. They didn't just read their Bible. They believed in a promise of a Savior to come, a Messiah that was coming. Are you hearing me? They didn't want, they weren't believing for a house. They were believing for a coming Messiah. All right, all right, all right. They weren't believing for God to put gas in my car. I'm believing for Jesus to save my life. Um, right? I'm not saying there's something wrong with us believing that God, you know, put some gas in the car. Come on, right? Because if not, then you know, Lord, you got to fill this tank. Fill it up. Are you hear me? But they weren't believing. Their, their, their belief system was built on the fact that there is a Messiah coming. Are you hearing me? Who is going to change the course of my people? A Messiah who's going to stop the suffering of my people. Who's going to stop my people being burned at the stake? Who's going to stop my people from getting stoned and, and killed? All these, this is what they were believing for. So every significant part of the prophecy mattered to them. Okay. Where are you going with this, friend? So. There was the prophecy of the Messiah, but there was also the prophecy of the one who were prepared to wait. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so, so you, you, you got to realize something here. Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and, and when his announcement comes, it's got to be done right on God's side. God could have just showed up and announced Jesus and then let John show up out of somewhere. But he wouldn't do that. Why? Because the people needed confirmation. All right. And he shows up and he says, I'm going to make a big deal out of John's birth. Like I'm going to make a big deal out of. Okay. Now I need you to catch something from me right quick, okay? Catch this right quick. When God shows up to Abraham, he says to Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm make you father of many nations, blah, blah, blah. All these things. It's this very dramatic thing. Because Abraham is existing among some people. And he looks at him and says, I need you to come out from all them people. I'm going to and go to a land that I will show you. And then I'll make a grave. And all the nations of the earth are going to come through your lineage. Can I give you a little bit of history? So a lot of the conflict that we see that happens overseas. All right? We see the, and I'm not going to get political because I ain't got time to be going back and forth with y'all about all stuff. But a lot of the conflict we see overseas, it goes back to this one point. It's because both of the lines of the lineage, the Arabs, right? 
and children of Israel, all linked back to Abraham. He is all of their father. And according to the Bible, God bless both lines. Okay. Now I know now people, you know, we get in some discussions and all stuff, but that's what scripture says. God literally tells Abraham, I'm gonna take care of Ishmael. He's gonna be fine. I'm gonna bless him, I'm gonna make him great. Hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, wait a minute. You tell me God can bless your mistake and make it great. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I didn't just call a bunch of people mistake. I'm just sorry. I just want to make sure. I am saying God blessed that line as well. Okay, so I'm not going down that road right now. So, we look at to the announcement of John's birth. It's important for, for the revelation of the story. Okay? You have to understand, John wasn't just an innocent bystander that God chose out the blue. God wasn't just looking like, oh, let me figure out a boy that's already alive. And I'm going to make him the one that prepares the way. No. He actually, like Jesus almost, sent John, come on, to prepare the way. John's not our savior, but he was the preparer. Okay. How can they hear except a preacher be Oh, y'all don't want to say the word. Okay, never mind. It's important that you recognize that John plays a significant role in the story of salvation and redemption. So his story goes something like this. Uh, Zacharias, back in the day, uh, they they would throw lot, they would cast lots to figure out who's doing what. All right? So Zacharias's lot fell on incense. So he would go in and burn the incense and pray. Come on, somebody. Prayer and incense were highly connected then. Um, I know it's, it's gotten convoluted over the years, which is what the enemy normally does. Takes this thing that God created to be good, convolutes it, and then we argue about it. So he's in there, he's praying, and this encounter happens. Angel shows up. Angel says, Zacharias, your prayers have been heard. Gabriel shows up, he's like, Doc, Doc, God heard your prayers. Your prayers have been heard. And your wife will bear you a son. Now, it's interesting to me that he shows up. I, you know, a lot of times we don't know what these priests prayed for many times. 
we get a glimpse into this right here that Zacharias is praying for a very personal issue for himself. Come on, somebody. At some point in one of those meetings, in one of those prayer meetings, he's in there praying, God, I need some lineage. I need my wife to get pregnant. I need something to happen. She's barren, or you're going to show up. Listen, here's what you got to understand, because I found it interesting as I read on through that Elizabeth says, after all of these things happen, that God has taken the reproach of her people away. That really caught me, because I was thinking, what was she in reproach about? And we can gloss over that, but you got to understand in this culture, in this time, in context, if you were childless and barren, you were not quite as holy as we thought you were. Oh, okay. If you couldn't produce children in this culture, hear me, it was problematic and you live with a lot of shame. Imagine, first of all, secondly, uh, living married to a priest and can't produce children. Imagine the level of shame that she had to carry all those years. And when I say all those years, I mean all those years. The Bible is clear that she was well, adva- well advanced. So she's carrying shame. And at this point, her husband knows it. And he's praying for her. Can I pause for the call and say, husband, please pray for your wife? Because she can be carrying stuff she don't even know about. He's carrying shame of not meeting the cultural standards of her day. I promise you I'm going to preach, but you need to let this sit in for a minute. Because this is who God shows up to announce the preparer of the way. Okay. He didn't show up to somebody who was all well put together. He didn't choose a priest that had five kids already. He didn't choose somebody that had their life together and was out. He showed up to somebody who was in the middle of a struggle and said, guess what? I'm about to make dead things come alive. Okay. All right. Man, they're going to make me work hard for this one today. All right, Jesus. So he's in there. He's praying. He's praying. Angel shows up. Hey, God heard your prayer. You're going to, listen, the angel was so excited to announce John that he didn't even give homeboy a a chance to respond. I got bars. He was excited to announce John. Yeah, okay. So he shows up and he says, hey, 
God's heard your prayer. Your wife is going to bury your son, and he's going to be great. He's going to be uh, given to wine or drunkenness and all this stuff. And from the womb, from the womb, he's going to come out, and he's going to have the Holy Ghost, and he's going to be fire and pre. I mean, this dude going to shut up. Gabriel's like, he's going to shut the coin when he get up. <laughs> Y'all know about it. It says all of this. He makes this a beautiful announcement. It's good. It's, it's exciting. It's glad tidings. It's exactly what Zacharias prayed for. Beautiful announcement. Exciting. Just woo. And the response was, how will I notice? How will I notice? Zechariah said, How shall I know this? I'm old. My wife is well advanced in her years. Now we know what happens with Zechariah. He becomes mute and can't speak. And, and while for a moment, it's easy for us to be like, man, he should have had faith. He should have believed. He should have, uh, uh. It's easy for us to say that on the other side of the scripture. But imagine for a moment, you're a priest who's come up in a time where there's been a promise passed down from generation to generation, to generation, to generation, to generation. And all you have seen is that promise not come to pass. Okay? Imagine you're a priest where you've seen your people victorious, and now they're back in captivity. Imagine you are a priest where you have heard the promise and you've heard of the promise but all you know is that we've been suffering and we've been taken out and we've lost generation after generation and we haven't seen the fruit of the promise from Abraham. Imagine you're that person. But let's throw a little something on top of that. You're that person, and you're called righteous, and you're called flawless in front of God, and you're part of the priesthood, but you can't have no babies. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel the weight of what he was carrying. Because he wasn't just in that room all like, oh, yeah, God's going to do it here. He's carrying a weight of unmet expectations for years. And this angel shows up and says, God's heard your prayer. I 
I'm sorry, I don't know about y'all, but I probably would have been like Zacharias. In that moment, I probably would have been like, bro, I spent a lot of years praying for this one. You're going to have to tell me how I would know. Because I'm at the end of my life, almost. And I've heard a lot of people talk about a lot of promises. And I'm tired. My faith is weary. I wrote this down. Though, it's my first point. The opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's certainty. Okay, so listen. Because I was intrigued at how the angel responded. The angel responds to Zacharias. I mean, he was pretty much crumb. <laughs> All right, y'all got to read this how I read it, okay? Can I just invite y'all into my world so you can hear how I read it? So Zacharias says, I'm old. I can see him just like, hey, man, I'm old, bro, my wife. You know? And the angel said, bro, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God every day. You going to complain that you're old? Do you know what I've seen, homie? Nah, nah, I ain't gonna let you off that easy. You gonna not say a word until this happens. Since you can't believe me. Oh, okay. The angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Bro, I just told you what you prayed for has been heard. Not only that, you're a priest. I just prophesied and confirmed a prophecy that you've known for years. And you worried about being old? And I was, I was actually really, I was a little confused at why the response to him was to make him not be able to speak. Why would it be such a harsh response. And then I realized something. There's a difference between doubt and there's a difference between wanting certainty. Okay, all right. God can handle your doubt, but certainty is birthed out of pride. Certainty says, I won't trust you unless you tell me how it's going to happen. Certainty says, I will withhold my faith from believing that you can until I have all the details. Okay, y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to preach. Certainty will tell you to wait when God says go. And certainty will also tell you to go when God says stay. And here's the thing. Here's the focus of certainty. Certainty is not focused on God. It's focused on external things. I ain't got enough money. I ain't got enough this. I ain't got enough that. I ain't got enough this. I'm old. I can't do this. I have no energy. I'm just going to mess up. I always fail. I always do. This is what certainty says. And certainty tells you these lies. And over and over. And you hear it. And you hear it. And you consult 
your situation versus your Savior. Uh-huh. And certainty will always keep you away from doing what God has asked you. So the, the opposite of faith is not doubt. Because God can handle doubt. Because doubt shows up and says, hey, I'm not sure about this. Okay, listen. All right, all right. Abraham. Y'all gonna have a child. I'm old. I'm old. And my wife old too. We old. But whatever. Uh, uh, Mary, Mary, you're gonna have a child. How can this be since I don't know man? Hold on, listen, that wasn't certainty. That wasn't certainty, that was doubt. That was, I made a commitment and a vow to be a virgin. Come on. So how you gonna do this? And I don't know. I ain't been there yet. And God responds to doubt totally different than he responds to your prideful certainty. I need certainty. I need to know God's going to be there. I need to know this. I need to know that. Well, maybe you ain't going to always know. That's not the, the essence of faith is knowing when to take the step. He, listen, Bishop told me to say this to me. Y'all. He said, Fred, faith is when you step out of your ability and you step into God's ability. Okay. Faith is when you get to the end of you and you step into the rest of him. I was confused, though, at why Zachariah would, wouldn't have the faith in this moment. Now, I know that he's gone through all this stuff and he's seen this and, and this is happening and, and the promise ain't going. And, and, and let's be real. That's a hard place to be in. Come on, imagine praying for something for so many years and you don't see it happen. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Praying and praying and praying and praying and getting no answer. I, your faith gets weary. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Half of us couldn't go two days without God answering the prayer with my whole Lord. I've been praying for two days. I've been praying about our building situation for some months now. I've been making phone calls and nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, God, do you not hear me? Where you at, Jesus? But faith is not when you pray and you are unable to trust him. And so you're just like, all right, well, when you show up with the actual miracle, you got to tell me how it's going to happen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know how many times God ever explains to people how a miracle happens? I, I can only imagine once, and it was convoluted. That was with Mary. How can this be? Girl, listen, I don't know. I'm going to tell you what I think I, what I'm like. <laughs> Holy Spirit going to come on you. You're going to have babies. Thank you for this. And Mary's probably like, what? <laughs> Whatever you say. 
<laughs> Let it be to me, right? Come on. That's the only response you get to that. Any other time, he just responds. Right? Even after Jesus is born, there, there's this one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's when Peter's in the boat with the other disciples, and there's a storm going on. Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, can I come out there with you? And all he says is, come. Somebody say, come. come. What he doesn't say is, hey, man, when you come out here, I need you to take like 10 seconds and then put your foot down, make sure you touch first, and blah, blah, blah. He don't do any of that. He just says, come. Why? Because you don't need to know. The, you, you, don't, you don't need to know. How I'm going to work the circumstances out for you to perform this miracle, for this miracle to happen in your life. It's going to happen. I just need you to come. Just try. trust me. Amen? So I was, I was shocked. And I wrote this down for my next point. I was shocked because if he did it before, he can do it again. Okay. All right. So let me help you while I'm going with this. Let me help you understand. I was shocked because... Here is Zacharias, who is a priest, who would have known, in my opinion, about Abraham and Sarah. Okay. Let me, let me go there for a moment. He would have known that Abraham had a very similar response to God. And when he, God said to him, I'm going to give you a child and your wife too. And, and y'all going to be, and he said, I'm old. Abraham, I'm old. And my wife is back. She's barren. And guess what happened? Sarah laughed, but she still had a baby. Come on, somebody. And she named him Isaac, which was named laughter because she saw God do what she didn't think he could do. And it made her so full of joy, so full of laughter that she named her child based upon what was going on in her life. Now, Zechariah would have had knowledge of this situation. Zechariah would have had knowledge of the situation. Zechariah would have had access to understand that the same God, the God who was there then, the God who showed up there is the same God that sent this angel that's standing right in front of me. And I just thought to myself, how easy it is for unexpectations to make us forget the God we serve. Listen, listen, sometimes in your life, man, can I just preach this real quick? Y'all give me a moment right here, but, but sometimes you got to look back at the testimonies of what God has already done in your life. We get to worry about these things. We get to worry about that and this and that and this and that and this and that and this. Sometimes you need to just stop and say, God, I thank you for what you did. You know what? I should be sleeping in my grave. I should be dead and gone. Uh huh. The car accident should have took me out. The drugs should have took me out. The alcohol should have took me out. The, all the stuff. The, the relationship should have took me out. Uh, come on. Plane crash, car crash. All of it could have taken me out. But you saw. Coronavirus could have took me out. But I'm still here. It's the same God. It's the same God. If he did it before, he can do it again. Zacharias, I know you're tired. 
I know the promise hadn't been met. I know you're going through a struggle. I know it don't look right. I know people in the community are talking about you and they're saying these things. I know, Zechariah, but don't lose faith in the one who's done it before. I promise you, if you can trust the one who did it before, he will do it again. Next thing I wrote down is you can trust him because it's the same God. Somebody say same God. God. It's the same God. Somebody say same God. Same God. God. The Bible says that God changes not. (laughs) His methods may change, but his character don't change. He was a healer then, he'll be a healer now. Okay. He was a provider then, he'll be a provider He was a way maker then. He'll be a way. Oh, can I preach? Keep going. Where y'all at this morning? Huh? He brought you out then. He'll bring you. He opened the door then. He'll open the door. Huh? He gave you favor when you didn't deserve it then. He'll give you favor. Somebody say, tis my season. Tis my season. <laughs> It's the same God. It's the same God. He don't wake up different. He didn't wake up this morning and go, oh, Kenny going to have some issue today that I can't take care of. Let me figure this out. No, no, no. He's the same God. He's the same God. Hear the word of the Lord. He's the same God. Kenny, he's the same God. The same God that saved you in the accident. It's the same God that can save you now. He's the same God. Y'all don't, see, we don't recognize and we, we forget how good he's been. My mom, I love her to death. But my mom did every drug you can think of with me. And the same God has healed me then. Okay. Okay. It's the same God that can heal me now. Same God. I don't know who this is for. You need to hear this. He's the same God. It wasn't a different God that pulled you out of darkness. And sometimes we serve him like he has multiple personalities. Like he's different at any given time or any given day. And because you're going through this, he may not be as strong to get me out of Mm-mm. He's the same God. Amen. You know when the children of Israel, they were leaving, one of, another one of my favorite scriptures is they got to the river, I think it was Jordan River. It was Jordan River. Jordan River. And he said, I want you to take 12 men 
and 12 stones and take it to the middle of the river. And I want you to drop these stones in the middle of the river. Said this, so it serves as a reminder for generations to come as to what God did. Oh, come listen. An essential part of your life as a believer is remembering what God has done. And if we can get that, when we get in rough times and times of, I don't know what's going to happen, and God, I, I've been praying, you ain't showed up yet. Some of y'all, we just need to have a session where you sit down and just think about it. When I, you should call them when I think sessions. When I think. What you doing, baby? I'm when I thinking. He's the same. He's the same God. I want to land with this because he says to this, um, before we throw it up there, Roger, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 36, 37. It says this. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Let that sink in for a minute. All these things transpire. She's ready to name him John. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, there ain't nobody in your lineage named John. I keep trying to figure this out. I don't know. Maybe y'all can help me. And maybe he wrote it down for somewhere. But somehow, she knew he was to be named John. And the people were waiting they thought she was crazy until he opened his mouth and said, no, his name is John. Then turns and prophesies to the boy. They had church, so what? Right? I keep wondering, did the Holy Spirit tell her his name was John? Did he write it down? Somehow. Hold on, listen, listen. What was perceived as a problem for Zechariah was actually probably a sign for him. Because he had to watch. He watched the miracle happen. And he couldn't put one word on it. I love that God was like, you know what? I'm going to let you watch. But you ain't going to say nothing. It's almost, it's almost like God was, yeah, sense of humor. I want you to watch this, and you're going to want to praise me, but I don't even want to hear it right now. You hear that? You're going to wait till it's done. Because when it's done, that praise you're going to have going to be out of this world. Okay. So he had this thing. He named him John. She's pregnant. Angel shows up to Mary. This is going to happen. How can it be? I'll tell you what's going to happen. 
This last thing he says to her is this. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her old age. This is now, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. I want you, I'm going to let you let that sit for a moment, okay? We're going to skip back over to Genesis 18, 13, 14. This is a conversation God's having with Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely I shall bear a child since I am old? 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> Come on now, listen, listen, listen. God's talking about himself. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I wanted to end with this, and that is this. Nothing is too hard for God. Now listen, I was writing this, and the Lord began to speak to me about this right here. And I felt the presence of God as I was sitting at my little bar table in our kitchen on this stool that sometimes hurts my back if I sit there too long. I'm sitting there and the dog's in the other room sleeping and shaking and going on. It's nice and cool. And I'm sitting there and I'm typing this down. And as I typed it, I just felt the presence of God say, no, these ain't just words. This needs to be a declaration. I sat there and I just felt God's presence so sense, I just sensed it so sweet, so soft in the room and he said, Fred, this is a declaration for you for those in your church and for those who will be there tomorrow don't say this as word say as a declaration nothing is too hard for God Nothing too hard for God. And I, and I was like, God, okay, you got to help me. You got to help me with this because, I mean, I, I say it all the time. I, I understand. And God said, let me connect something for you. In Genesis 18, I asked Abraham, now listen, this is the first covenant that has a salvation component you're going to bear a son you're barren nobody says this can happen you think this is hard maybe they thought it was hard because some other people had done it 
I'm burying, folks. I had given birth. But God looks at Abraham and he asks this question. First covenant with a salvation component. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Okay. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, now, Abraham doesn't respond. Abraham doesn't respond. <laughs> okay. Can I just can I just throw something in for you for a moment? I think for generation after generation after generation, they wrestled with that question. Yeah, they saw the miracles, but I think they still wrestle with, is anything too hard for God? Generation after generation after generation, and then we get over to Mary. Okay, two miracles happening right now. There's another, another miracle with the barren woman. whose womb is dead and God brings life out of a dead womb but then we see another miracle we see a miracle where God brings life out of an untouched womb a womb that what has to take place is so miraculous it can only be God. Now notice the words. The angel doesn't say to her, nothing's too hard for God. Why does he not say that? Because she knows Abraham. She knows that story. She's seen miracle after miracle. They've seen it. No, nothing's too hard for God. I believe that she believed God was able to do something like make a dead womb produce life. I believe she was able to see the dead raised. I, I, I think she was okay. I mean, culture itself, though it was probably scarce and not a lot, this happened. There were stories of miraculous things because God was still God. Come on, he was the same, same God. Okay? And God's character and nature is healing is going to happen if he shows up. Life is, come on, somebody. So these encounters that happen, I believe she knows about them. But listen to this. Hear me. Ooh, I want you to hear this. He responds to her, not with nothing too hard for God. He says, nothing will be impossible. And I felt the strong to land this message today with this thought. 
what God wants to do is something we've never seen. Something we've never experienced. What God wants to do in your life Hear me. Something you may imagine is impossible. God says, nothing. Nothing is impossible. Fred, I've been praying for years, and I ain't seen it yet. Nothing is impossible. I've I've been seeking God on this thing. Nothing is impossible. I felt so heavy in my heart today that I needed to share these words because for some of us, the fight of our life at this point, hear me, we are losing heart. It seems like Every time we take two steps forward, I came by to announce to you today, nothing's impossible with that. Why is nothing impossible? Because he created all things. And if it's not created, he can create it. I mean, if your situation is beyond God's abilities, then I guess God's ability has to go beyond your situation. stand for me all over the room. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.